as it obviously does yours, stirs my soul to hear uh, sound witness again. If you're new in recent years, they um, mixed quartet that have been singing here uh, for uh, decades, many, many years, and uh, any time we had, you know, a big occasion, uh, they sang and, and they always uh, brought great worship, enthusiasm, excitement uh, to their singing, to our worship, and, and it's so neat to hear them again. We, uh, we are, again, and I want to underscore this again because we really covet your prayers uh, today and tomorrow and, of course, after, but uh, tomorrow night, uh, two groups affiliated with this church, both our elders and then the board of campus Christians will meet at exactly the same time and, uh, and hopefully go a long way toward choosing uh, both the senior minister here and uh, the, new camp the new campus minister for campus Christians. So uh, please keep that in your prayers that that will go well and be successful. And I've just been here two months started really the, in the office last week of January, and, uh, but preaching the first week of February, so I've been here exactly two months. And I just this week figured out where the stapler was in the office. So I'm kind of learning, starting to learn my way around, and it may be winding up, so I, I'm not sure about the timing of that. But it is an important night, and, and we covet your prayers for those, the Lord's uh, direction for us to be seen and to be felt. We're looking at, and we'll culminate on Easter Sunday in about three weeks, we're looking at uh, questions for Jesus. And these were, were situations in Scripture, in the Gospels, primarily in Matthew, I'm using texts out of, where uh, different people or, or groups of people, sometimes this morning was a group of people and then an individual, uh, came to Jesus and asked him a question. And again, we said last week they often had all kind of different motives. They may have been asking honestly, wanting to know an answer. It may be uh, tried, to, and we'll see this this morning, to get a little traction in, in uh, personal recognition maybe. Uh, it may have been, as we'll also see, um, an attempt to uh, test Jesus, but really what Scripture means when it says that is to trap him and and uh, kind of cause him problems in regards to uh, his ministry. And that was no doubt born out of jealousy because Jesus was beginning to draw more followers than the religious leaders were. So, and I've asked this each week, and, and, uh, and uh, I mean that because it's an important part of this uh, to think about what, if you had the opportunity, what you would ask Jesus. And we think, well, that, that's not going to happen, but people in the first century thought that. Jesus lived for 33 years with them, and occasionally, especially if they worked hard at it, they had an opportunity to uh, be in his presence, to watch him, maybe even to uh, be healed him, to ask by him to ask him a question. Now, a couple of girls on, on uh, my bus sitting right behind me, I drive a school bus now, um, and I just have middle school and high schoolers, and that's the way I like it. The little people, I love them to death, but they're just too bubbly. You know, they're just all over the place, and there's no good way I know of to control them. I never could do that as a parent. I certainly can't do it as a bus driver. So anyway, two of them were talking, 
And really, I just heard the one talking, and I, I didn't hear what she said as far as the situation was. I didn't uh, come in as far as listening at that point. But she had said something about her mom and, and had happened to her mom. And again, I didn't catch if uh, her mom had passed away or if her mom had left or if her mom had kind, some kind of uh, bad health situation in her life. I, I don't know what it was. I just heard her say, well, a lot of people think there's a God, and if there is, I would like to know of him what happened to my mom. And I think that's the way a lot of us are. Probably a lot of people's questions would, would go that direction. And we, we talked about this before. God, why do you allow suffering? Or, or why do bad things happen? Or something like that, some version of that. It seems to be the most significant question that we would ask God. Now today I want to look at two questions because they have the same word in them and they're linked together. And, and they're questions of the greatest, the greatest. First of all is going to be uh, the disciples asking Jesus, who is the greatest? And parenthetically to that, it would be who is the greatest person in the kingdom of heaven? And then the second one is asked of Jesus also, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And that was an individual, one person that asked that. Okay, we talk a lot about the greatest, and did I not say two months ago, I'm so excited about this, two months ago I said this, and even if it's my last week, I thought I'm going to get this in, I'm going to use that deal right there. I've never done that, I don't think I ever did that in 15 years of ministry here, or 30 year, years of ministry in general, but we, a lot of the time we didn't have that technology, but a lot of the time I didn't know how to use it, and I still don't. But I know to go to somebody that does. Okay, so we're going to use that now. Gene, let's do our video if we can. This is—you've heard people talk about being the greatest. Okay, that's Muhammad Ali, I am the greatest, and Muhammad Ali's known as the greatest. Maybe not because he was, because he lost fights, but mostly because he said he was. And that's what we called him, the greatest, okay? Then we have one more that's right up there, and this is maybe a little more obscure. If you're a baseball person, you know this one. All right, uh, this, set this up, this is uh, Ricky Henderson, and this is the day, the very day, that he passed uh, Lou Brock, who many of you are probably Cardinals fans, a lot of this area. Uh, he had 900 and some stolen bases for his career, and the very day that he uh, passed him, he stood on second base and, and picked up the base, which, you know, in major leagues now, you can just pull them out of the ground and held over his head and, and uh, made this statement, among others, if we get that. Okay. I'm the greatest of all time. And he did end up with 1,400 and some career stolen bases, so about 500 stolen bases ahead of the next person on the all-time major league list, uh, past Lou Brock. So we have Muhammad Ali there. I am the greatest, and he meant, I think, although I'm not sure, I am the greatest boxer of all time. And Ricky Henderson, 
I'm the greatest of all time, the greatest base stealer of all time. I got a kick out of, maybe you saw this, on the first game Thursday night of the Sweet 16 basketball playoffs, they had a fellow there in the stands, and I didn't catch this part if they said it, but he happened to have picked every single game right so far. And the way I figured it, that was 48 games. And they gave the odds of that, it was one in so many trillion. Never been done before. He picked all of them. And some of them were really obscure, and the guy said, well, I picked that one because I knew somebody that went there or it just sounded cool or something like that. And the guy was actually at that game, and I'm guessing that, that they gave him tickets and brought him there to that, but I, I didn't hear to that. And then the very game he was sitting at, he promptly lost the first one. I got a kick out of both of those that he did so well. So, so they brought him there because he was the greatest bracket picker that had ever been so far. Nobody had ever done that to that level so far, and then he promptly lost. Now, again, two questions this morning. Who's the greatest? And that would be the greatest person in the kingdom of heaven. And then what's the greatest commandment in the law? I want to read, first of all, from Matthew chapter 18 and verses 1 through 6. Matthew 18 and verse 1. Now, at that time, the disciples, underscoring who asked this, came to Jesus and they said, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Remember Muhammad Ali, I am the greatest. Ricky Henderson, I'm the greatest of all time. Jesus called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. And he, he's getting serious when he says that. This, this is the way it is. Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never even enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, and this seems to be the key to that, therefore whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones, these little children who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Disciples to Jesus, question one, who's the greatest, and again, they mean person, who's the greatest person in the kingdom of heaven? Now the background here is, of course, and we, we underscored that, that it's his disciples, his, his closest intimate followers, the ones he's personally asked and recruited to stay with him for two or three years and learn ministry so that after he is gone, after he's put to death, but resurrected, and then goes back to heaven, they can carry that on, make it grow. That's the ones that come to him and ask him, well, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, what we probably don't get, what I wouldn't know, unless others had put it together, is that at different times during that three-year period, and Scripture records it, they had literally argued among themselves about which of them is the greatest. Now, I, if you ask me that question, first of all, I'd think, well, they're talking probably about their Jewish ancestors. Maybe they expect Jesus to say, well, Abraham was the greatest because of all he did for the nation of Israel and for the people of God and, and the whole nation that God started came about because of him and so forth. Or 
David was the greatest because of his kingship and his closeness to God or something like that. One of the great leaders. Maybe Moses was the greatest because of the incredible miracles he performed and he led the people out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and all that. No, they were more likely, meaning which of us is the greatest here? So they probably had kind of personal motives there. Later, the mother of two of them, of James and John, would come to Jesus and want her kids, her boys, exalted above the rest of the apostles. Who's the greatest? And Jesus answers that by having a child, probably someone standing nearby and bring them over and, and having them stand in front of everybody and using him or her, as an object lesson to point out to these people who should have been much more mature that they needed to change and become like this child. Now he uses a little person, a little child, to talk about the big change that they need to make in their lives. Instead of arguing about and wanting to be the greatest among them, to have place of honor with Jesus in his ministry, in the kingdom. They should be going the other direction because that's what the big change is. Jesus starts out, unless you change, the question would be, if you stop mid-sentence, okay, what do I need to change? What kind of change are you talking about? Well, you need to change and become like this little child. What about this child do I want to be like? Do I want to emulate? We generally think of raising our children to be like us. Well, you need to humble yourself like this child. Now, you're talking about being great. You're arguing about that among yourselves. He knew in their minds, they were thinking, is he going to choose me? Is he going to say to Peter, hey, because you're the one that gets to start the church here after a while, you'll be the greatest? Or John, because you're called the one that I love, that you're the greatest. No, instead of going that direction where you want to be the most recognized, you go the other direction and humble yourself. People have defined that in a lot of different ways. Talked about humility as, um, and, and Scripture does this too, thinking of other people above yourself. We'll see that in the second question. I remember someone saying once, no, it, it's simply not thinking of yourself. That's even harder. In this next question, we'll find out that if you love your neighbor as yourself, then you're getting close to this concept of humility. Now, the choice and the stakes are eternal. If you don't do that, you're not going to heaven. That's pretty significant. Now, question number two, and turn with me if you would over a few pages to Matthew chapter 22 and and look at verse 34. 
Matthew chapter 22, 34, and they're hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, we'd say a lawyer, tested them with this question, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So question number two of the greatest. First one was, who's the greatest person? Now what's the greatest commandment in the law? Now the background is that Jesus has answered all these questions. He's passed all these tests. Generally, when they ask him a question to try to trap him, they're dumbfounded by his answer, and they can't really find a way to trap him. And that had happened with the Sadducees. And then the Pharisees begin thinking, and one of their members who's familiar with the law, a lawyer-type person, asks a question. It says right there in the Gospel of Matthew that he intended to to, uh, test him, and really probably even to trap him. What's the greatest commandment in the law? I wonder what kind of answer they were expecting or hoping for. I have no idea. Probably he would say, they would want him to say that it's something really obscure so that they could trap him and make him look foolish, probably not, not catch him or, or, or imprison him or anything like that. Remember, they just want to discredit him at this point. He's beginning to draw people and followers that would normally be following them and thinking they're the experts, they're the wise ones. But they begin to follow Jesus and they want to ask him a question that he doesn't know the answer to or he doesn't have a very good answer for and make him look foolish and themselves look better. What's the greatest commandment in law? Pick one out. First, you need to love the Lord your God. That's very first. That's the most important. You need to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. God must be first in your life. If you go to Exodus 20 and read the Ten Commandments, the first four are all about this. That's partly why he, Jesus concludes that part by saying, all the law and the prophets hang on those two. Everything else really can be taken and put underneath these two commandments. And the most important one is that you need to love God with everything you are, everything you have. The second one is that you need to love your neighbor as yourself. There are numerous stories, parables, teachings, Uh, In the Bible, one of the greatest of that, of course, is the Good Samaritan story uh, where he helped someone and considered him his neighbor that he didn't even know. He didn't live near him. He wasn't much like him, but he took care of him. He helped him in need. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the, Jesus concludes there, Again, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You might say everything hangs on these two. Well, what's everything? 
Well, Jesus answered that in the first part that says, if you don't do this, if you don't change and become like a child, if you don't work on and become humble instead of proud, then you're not going to go to heaven. And the same is true for loving God and loving people. Everything that's said, everything that Moses brought down from the mountain, everything that's recorded by law in Leviticus and all of those things, everything in the New Testament hinges on those two things. Love God, love people. We're going to go into our time of decision in a moment and and focusing this morning on what um, two questions Jesus answered about the greatest, um, who's the greatest person in the kingdom of heaven. Well, it, it's not somebody that's necessarily famous or recognizable or particularly smart or anything like that. It's somebody who's humbled himself and made God the most important thing in their life and cares about other people as much or more than they do themselves. It's pretty simple. If you have a decision to make, uh, maybe you want to accept Jesus as your Savior and you've never, ever done that, that, again, that's what we're talking about. That's the most important thing you can ever do. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. The only one with eternal consequences. Not just earthly, eternal. Maybe you have another spiritual need. Um, you want to recommit your life to Christ. You want to join this church family. Uh, there's something like that. We invite you to come. Let's stand together and sing. Would you pray with me? Father, um, sometimes these are hard lessons to learn and, and to keep. And We have good intentions, but then it seems like things of the world kind of get more important and crowd out spiritual things, but especially imprint on our hearts and our minds this morning uh, that you want us to be humble, that you want us to love you first and most, that you want us to care about other people. Your son did. That's why he gave his life for us. You did. That's why you suffered through that. It's in his name we pray. Amen.